found a love. Ready? The DJ and Wedding Planner Podcast. Hey, baby, I think I want to marry you. Because when you love someone. Well, hope you guys had a fabulous week. This is the sixth episode of the DJ and Wedding Planner Podcast. I'm Tony Hernandez and we have... I'm Carmen Davila. My beautiful wife, <laughs> my co-host today. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. You know, we're staying home, quarantined. We're getting through this, staying in a positive uh, mood uh, as things are starting to slowly get back to normal. But, you know, we have to stay safe during this time. And positive. Absolutely. So today we have a little special treat. Carmen, what are we doing today? So I am actually going to turn the tables, okay, and we are going to interview Tony. So I'm going to be asking him a series of questions and getting to know. I want to show you guys um, a little bit more about Tony, um, give you guys an insight on who he is, what he does, etc. Awesome, awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, go ahead, Carmen. Perfect. Okay, Tony. So... Um, something that I've always wanted to uh, share with people is um, your story, your DJ story, how you entered into the industry. When did your passion for DJing begin? Well, my passion for DJing became, uh, came up uh, early on when I was about 12 to 13 years old. Um, I mean, I, re I remember even at a younger age, about 9, 10 years old, uh, sitting at home uh, in front of my parents old uh, radio system you know we had those big towers with those speakers and stuff like that and i remember sitting at home uh grabbing cassette tapes and recording music um from power 96 back in those days and every time the dj would come on sometimes i would mute it and sometimes i would leave it on because it intrigued me to hear the djs on the radio talking and the song and the music back in the uh Late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> so you were like the opposite of the rest of us when we were like waiting for the DJ to stop talking so we can start recording. Absolutely. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my passion for music started at a young age. And um, when I was about 14 years old, I, I ended up uh, grabbing my grandma's credit card, I remember, and uh, going to Brands Mart and buying a pair of speakers, uh, buying a couple of turntables, going to the flea market, buying a... Uh, a Radio Shack mixer and, and starting to compile basically a little DJ equipment um, <clears throat> to be able to start playing music because I had a passion for DJing. Um, and I remember going to a record store here. Actually, I remember having a birthday party and we set up the equipment in the corner of the garage, right? I had like one record at that time. And I remember people brought me, my sister's friends and my friends, my family, what they were giving me for my birthday was records. And uh, one record uh, that sticks out that it was funny enough, uh, today I had the honors of interviewing one of the lead uh, singers from uh, Planet Patrol was Planet Rock. And I remember having two copies of that, somebody, bought me that record and somebody else did too so i had two copies of the same record and i remember going back and forth on my turntables and basically flipped the record over to the b-side and played the normal track and tried to mix both tracks together and that's pretty much how i started learning how to dj in those times back in the uh in the 90s that's so cool okay so question 
now that you brought that up, what was the style? I mean, being young, right? Being 14, getting into this, into the music industry, right? What was like the music that inspired you or maybe, maybe the words not so much inspired I mean, you, but that, like at that age, like what was the music that, um, that you grew up listening to? I mean, in that time it was the, you know, late eighties, early nineties. It was, it takes two planet patrol, uh, I remember getting two live crew records and my mom was uh, like going crazy because they had those <laughs> big <ass laughs> booties in the, in the covers. Um, you know, Don't uh, don't Stop the Rock, Debbie Deb, uh, The Party Has Just Begun, uh, Micmac Records with, you know, Johnny O, Cynthia, Freestyle. I mean, that was the music back in those times. And then as I progressed and I started getting a little bit more into Spanish music, obviously, you know, living here in South Florida uh, and starting to, you know, create a little bit of a, you know, doing parties and stuff like that. And growing up in a Latin household. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to have some Spanish records. Uh, but back in those days, I mean, you, you couldn't, you know, download on your computer or your phone. You literally had to go to the record store and buy the records. That's funny. <laughs> so, okay, question. When did you start in radio? Well, after I bought my DJ gear, you know, I was in ninth grade in middle school. Um, I started doing house parties and stuff like that for friends and family, you know, 100 bucks here, $150 there. And then in middle school, funny enough, um, I met one of the radio DJs back in those days, which was George Perez and uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash from Majestic Sounds. I love Jack. And then they, uh, I would help them load in their equipment into the cafeteria when they were doing the middle school dances. And then uh, as uh, basically a, a token of appreciation, they used to bring promo records back in the day, which is like free CDs back, you know, when we used to give out free CDs. <laughs> they used to bring promo records, vinyl, 12-inch records to give out. So as a thank you, they would give me, you know, a stack of records. Hey, thanks for helping us unload and load the stuff. And, you know, we were young. I mean, I, I became friends with Jack, uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, and then he basically kind of took me under his wing. And, you know, every time he would come to the school, we would help him. Um, you know, he would call me. He'd come by my house, help me set up the equipment, teach me a couple of little things. And then through him, I started basically hanging out with him and going to events that he was doing at Power 96, because he worked at Power 96 as well at that time. And that was about 94, 93, around there. And uh, I started, you know, meeting Kid Curry, meeting all the guys in radio. Um, and that's kind of how I started interning, basically, for free at, at Power 96 through that time. And then once I was in high school, I got more involved with the radio station, doing more events. Uh, at one point, you know, we got so busy. Uh, I have a twin brother, Frank. Uh, for uh, some of you might not know, you're listening to this. I have a twin brother. And we both started DJing. And at one point, we were so busy that, you know, we had to split up. So we bought additional equipment. And he would go out to do events and then I would be at other parties, and then that became the running joke after a while because I would double book myself and then send him to do events uh, as Tony the Hitman uh, later on in, uh, in our career. But um, so during high school, um, you know, I would go to the events at Power 96, uh, needed DJ equipment and stuff like that. So I remember oh, back in 97, I was almost getting ready to graduate high school, and... Uh, 
I went to an event with Power 96 where they were doing a Thanksgiving marathon at the Mall of the Americas, and they were doing one up here in Pembroke Pines and one in, uh, in Hialeah, Westland Mall, and I basically, Jack didn't have enough equipment to set all that up, so I basically, we used both of our equipment, mine and my brother's, and we set up, up at the mall so DJ Laz and the different mixers could come, you know, during the Thanksgiving marathon and mix there. Um, so everybody got to know us, and they're like, oh, that's, you know, thank you for uh, donating your equipment and setting it up and stuff like that. Um, so once I graduated high school, I went into radio broadcasting school. Once I uh, went to Miami Lakes Tech for radio broadcasting, and halfway through the program, I'm doing an event at, um, at a car dealership down on Southwest 8th Street that Jack couldn't do. Uh, basically, I'm setting up my equipment, I'm mixing, and uh, one of the promotion guys there goes to me, hey, you know, I'm leaving. Um, if you're interested, speak to, you know, Kid Curry, Mark, and Kenny. So uh, they can interview you for the job. I was like, oh, hell yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be amazing. But me thinking in my head, I'm like, bro, they're not going to hire some 18-year-old kid, you know, just getting to radio broadcasting school. Like, am I ever going to get, you know, am I going to be hired? So whatever, I went, you know, I put my name in the hat. I applied for the job. I called up Jack, you know, put in a good word. They called me in. I got in, you know, I was in school. I got a call. Hey, can you come in tomorrow morning for an interview? I'm like, all right, yeah. So I told my teacher at radio broadcasting school. He's like, okay, yeah, go. Um, I went in the next morning. I got interviewed, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll never forget. I'm, I'm sitting in the interview and they're like, how'd your driving record? I'm like, no, it's good. I might have like, you know, one little ticket that I got in a car accident. He goes, one ticket? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, because the other guy we just interviewed, we asked him how's his driving record. He said, great. And then uh, we asked him how many tickets. He had 15 tickets. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm laughing. I'm like, all right. So I'm, I'm in good shape. And then the, the second question they asked me is like, oh, you know, where do you live? Are you, you live by yourself? You live? I go, no, I live at home with my parents. You know, I got my own car, uh, you know, and I have my own DJ, uh, you know, business. They're like, oh, that's really good because we're not going to pay you a lot of money. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's okay. They go, no, we only pay you 13000 full-time, uh, you know, 40 hours a week or more. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you like, that's awesome. I don't <laughs> care. I live at home with parents. I make money on the side, you know. So basically, they started using me without being hired yet. And they would call me because hey, they already knew me from doing the events. I would be like, hey, can you come in tomorrow to do this event? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then eventually I got hired in January of 1998. So I went back. I hadn't graduated. I was graduating that summer. So I go back to my radio broadcasting broadcasting teacher and I'm like, hey, I got hired. Can I do the work experience? Because they, you know, later on in the program, they had that. And they're like, no, you're not there yet. I'm like, well, he goes, no, can't you? I go, no, dude, then sign me off. I'm, I'm out of here. I got, I'm here to get hired. I already got hired. So peace. So basically, I didn't get a diploma, but I mean, the reason I was going to school, I got hired. And the rest is pretty much history. I mean, I had a, about a 12-year career at Power 96. I did uh, <clears throat> promotions. That's what I got hired to drive the van around and, and do marketing for the radio station. And then from there, I learned to you know board up and be on the radio um, mix. And um, you know, I did a lot of events around. Miami-Dade, Broward County. I mean, and that's how I got my name known was basically calling in the radio station, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon. Hey, it's me, Tony the Hitman. I'm out here giving away free stuff. And then from there, you know, I got a shift uh, doing weekends and overnights. And then I even produced the morning show with Bo Griffin. I was her board op and producer for two years 
Um, so, I mean, it was amazing to be able to work with Bo, uh, Mark Mosley, Carolyn, Felix Sama. I mean, that was that was an amazing time to be able to be in that room, hearing that magic being created. I mean, and then I would take some of that. And when I was doing my ship, you know, to learn that and and I would go into the mix room when, you know, Laz and these guys were mixing to see what tricks they were using. I mean, I was a novice. I was 18 years old. So. Uh, and then from there, I learned how to do broadcasting engineering. So I became like one of the main engineering guys at the radio station anytime we went out. So, I mean, it was an amazing career there with uh, with everybody, like from Kid Curry, the program director, to Funky Frank and everybody that uh, that helped me during that time. That's awesome. Every time he talks about radio, you can see the passion in his eyes. Ooh. He's like, I love radio, radio this and radio that. So you can you can tell a lot of people are like, yeah, I like my job. But Tony has this thing. He has this passion for what he does, which is beautiful. Because unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that blessing. Um, so, you know, good for you. You've been doing it for a while and you still have that that look in your eye for for all the fun stuff that you do. I mean, I love it. I love DJing. I love being in radio. I mean, from from there, I mean, I jumped around a couple different radio stations. Uh, once I left Power, I went to Mega 94.9, which a lot of people don't know, and I mixed there. Again, Jumpin' Jack Flash helped me get into Clear Channel, Mega 94.9. He was working there, and Mia 93.1 in, in West Palm. So I mixed there for about six months. And then from there, a buddy of mine that worked with me at, uh, at Beasley, which is Power and QAM, he went over and he was running the marketing department at 790 The Ticket. Uh, so he called me up and I went to work with him. Uh, and then needless to say there, while I was working at 790, the marketing director for Magic 1027, Connie, she needed somebody to help her and she knew how, you know, she knew me from the industry. It's like, hey, can, while you're here, can you help me too? And then I was basically uh, working with both uh, uh, promotions department there at Magic and uh, and 790 and I worked there for about a year and a half I had to leave there I didn't want to leave there but I had to because I actually ended up having a contract with Power 96 again so it was a conflict of interest so um, I took and took the job again at Power and I worked there for about another year and a half as a subcontractor and during that time somebody else from another station Matt Bell that I worked with at Power called me to work at 850 WFTL and 640 Sports so I became their marketing director up there in Pompano um, but as a they hired me through my company so I was able to work there and still have my contract with Power 96 um, so I was up there at uh, Pompano uh, WFTL for five years and then from there uh, jumped over here with Miami One and I've been with Miami One Radio.com now for the last three years uh, helping Funky Frank, Charlie Rodriguez, the team here uh, run the you know radio station, the, the internet station and then in the meantime I've worked with other radio stations down here locally, 93.5 Revolution. I mean, it's amazing to be able to do radio. And then not only that is running my DJ company and production company, which right now it's, you know, we're slowed down a little bit. But, you know, this keeps me entertained and and focused on the music and what's going on around town. That's awesome. That's great. So let me ask you, what do you think about radio today? Like where compared to when you started in this industry, what are your thoughts on radio today? I mean, radio today, I mean, right now, the industry is going through a very rough time. I mean, a lot of the DJs are working from home and a lot of stations actually have gotten rid of their DJs and just playing music 
or or playing shows back uh, because of everything that's going on with COVID nineteen, and it's going to be hard because a lot of radio stations have lost uh, advertisers, have lost sponsorships. Um, I, I mean, I think corporate America has kind of deviated what radio used to be like mm-hmm. when you used to be able to be creative. The DJs would, you know, be able to do out of the box stuff. I mean, right now, a lot of the radio stations, not saying that not all of them, but a lot of the radio stations are all cookie cutters where it's like you could only say this in between these songs and you have five seconds or 10 seconds to say it. And if you listen to radio, a lot of them are like that. I mean, and, um, and you know, the music is preset. I mean, none of the DJs, unless you're mixing on the radio, are able to play the music that they like. You know, you're going in there and they're giving you a music sheet and you're talking in between the songs that the radio station already pre-selected. Unless you're mixing on the radio and then they give you a little bit more freedom uh, on the mix shows. But, I mean, it's it's a different world. I mean, the creativity is definitely not what it used to be. And, of course, you know, with everything, the lawsuits and stuff like that, you're, you're a little constrained into doing crazy stuff that they used to do back in the day. Like, you know, standing on a billboard in the middle of I-95 and broadcasting live <laughs> or <laughs> stuff like that. The fun stuff. Okay, awesome. Um, let me ask you, what is your style of DJing? My style of DJing, I mean, it's funny enough, I got uh, asked this question yesterday as I was in a sales call with a, a bride and groom, a client that wants to hire me. They're like, what style of music do you play? And uh, <clears throat> my style of music down here in South Florida is very versatile. I mean, I, I, I'm an, what I like to play personally is not what I play. Uh, I'm an open format DJ down here in South Florida. As you know, we're in Miami, and it's a diverse crowd. One weekend, I'm doing a, a wedding or an event for, uh, you know, an African American couple or a, a Cuban couple, and then the next weekend, I've done where he's Puerto Rican and she's Haitian, and you know, you're playing both sides. And what are you gonna do? Or even that couple that comes to us, and they're like, "We're from Boston, but she grew up in Miami," and you know. How do you mix those two worlds? And that's my job to find those songs, find that happy medium in the dance floor where her family, the Latin side is on the dance floor and his American side is on the dance floor. So me as a DJ, I mean, I really morphed into an open format, what my clients like, knowing the music uh, and different genres. I mean, from the 70s, 80s to now uh, and Hispanic, American you know, island music. I mean, really, I mean, I've even done Canadian weddings, Indian weddings. Uh, that was, you know, the first time I did an Indian wedding, that was very challenging because that the hard part of that is you don't know what the songs are saying. You know, the other stuff I could figure out because I know Spanish, I know American, the island, but when you're doing a, a, an event and you don't know what the music is saying and all you're hearing is the beat, you know, you're a little lost. But I learned, you know, and with the help of the couples, we, we've gone through that. So now I have a good repertoire of like Indian, Punjabi music. And we, we you know, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I could get through it if they want like 50-50 or something like that. I could definitely get through through those genres. But me personally as a DJ, I mean, I love what I grew up on. Like I said earlier, the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000 hip hop, you know, 90s hip hop. I mean, that's that's always been a passion for me because I grew up DJing during that era on on Power 96. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, cool. 
I mean, and I can attest to this. I mean, we've done events, right? We've done weddings where, for example, we had one where the bride was actually Chinese and the groom was Persian. Remember that one? And you had them dancing the entire night on the dance floor. I mean, that was pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's the goal. I mean, if, you know, I've done nightclubs and I've done uh, social parties and nightclubs are totally different. I mean, the way I always explain it, you pay a cover at the door or you're there with your girls or your friends and you're going to dance. You know what you're going to do at the club. You're going to drink and you're going to party. There's no in-betweens about that. So you're going to dance. If the DJ's all right, you're still going to dance. If the music's not your favorite, but you're happy, you're going to get on the dance floor. An event, a party is totally different. You, you have a lot of things. You have distraction. You have food. You have, you know, some people don't like to dance. Uh, you know, some like to dance this style. Some like to dance that style. And it, it's a little bit more challenging as a DJ. So my goal is, Always, as long as I get 80% of the crowd on the dance floor, I know I'm being successful at my events. And we typically only have about two hours, two and a half hours to get that party going and end it at a wedding, at a quince, at a social event. So I have to come strong and I got to keep them there because that is my job. That's what I'm getting paid to do. Awesome. Love it. What sets you apart from other DJs? I think um, the knowledge uh, of the music and knowing how to control a dance floor and and flow a crowd. Um, You know, early on, I learned how to program music thanks to uh, an amazing program director like, you know, Kid Curry and stuff like that that taught me uh, who to play for. You know, he always told us, play for the women in the room, you know, and that couldn't be more than the truth. Um, but knowing how to control the dance floor, knowing how to take you know the music from one genre to the next, and and controlling the dance floor and keeping the crowd there, I always say every DJ has the same music, especially nowadays with computers and the internet. You know, um, myself, uh, other companies, other DJs. We we at the end of the day, we all play the same music. I mean, I see it with the Ora Locas nowadays. You know, they all pretty much play the same 15 (laughs) songs in different orders for their mixes but you know um what are you going to do different what are you going to do to control and and stand apart and and it's the programming the programming and mixing and interacting with that crowd that's what's going to set you apart you know apart from the lights and the effects and you know all all the fancy stuff is it, it goes down to skills and and how do you know how to control the crowd that you have in front of you, whether it be a wedding, a social, or at a nightclub. I, th- I think that's, not every DJ could do that. Hmm. Okay. And how do you keep your skills up to date, your music collection up to date? My music uh, collection, I mean, I, I keep that up to date on a bi-weekly or monthly basis. I mean, I'm always on top. Uh, I love to listen to radio, uh, see what the local radio stations are playing from you know, Power 96 and 99 Jam, to Y100, to the Spanish stations down here in South Florida. And then I go across the country to New York, Cali. I have websites that I go on to see what the local radio stations are playing. And then from there, I go into like Spotify and Billboard 
you know, 100s and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of different avenues nowadays that people find music, even YouTube, SoundCloud. So uh, it's not as easy as back in the day where I would get a list and like, okay, these are the top songs. I mean, nowadays you really got to be creative to know what's out there. And and not only that, I mean, we, we take a lot of um, requests from our clients to let us know what they want. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you'll see a song that pops up that you might not have or, or you, oh, I, I, I didn't remember that song. So that'll help you keep fresh, stay fresh in your music um, and organize. I mean, and, and you always want to change it up. I mean, I, I do a lot of events that, I, you know, well, I did this couple's wedding and then a year later they're hearing me at their friend's wedding. You don't want to sound stale and play the same music you did at that other wedding, at this wedding. So, you know. Changing it, getting creative with the music and the mixes is always fun. Awesome. So with that saying, um, is there a song, a particular song that you feel will never get old, at least for you, that you can that you can always play and be like, oh, you know what? I love this song. Let me put it in. Um, let me play it today or let me put it on the radio. What song would that be for you? I mean, I, I, there's a couple different ones for different things that I, I would say. I mean, for radio, uh, especially like with Miami One Radio that we do, um, Spring Love, Stevie B, and Love Dream Boy, song. Dream Girl, Johnny O, and Cynthia. I mean, Love I call that. that I, it was funny. The other day I interviewed uh, Johnny O, and then I interviewed Cynthia, and I told them, I mean, that's to me, that is the epic love song of the 80s and 90s because it was like you broke up with them you dedicated the song you <laughs> broke up with her i mean it was a love song you know and a lot of people used it in in the radio back in those days um so i, I think dream boy dream girl and spring love stvb i mean those for radio and back in the day definitely and then for the dance floor the parties i would have to say i mean i i, I know it's a little cliche but Pitbull, Mano Parriga. I mean, every time I hit that <laughs> song on the dance floor, no matter where I'm at, even if it's an all-American crowd, you know they're going to get up and dance to it. So I think that's a staple, just like, uh, you know, Michael Jackson with Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and those songs that they'll never die. I think that one will, will end up there. I think, you know, 10 years, 15 years from now, we'll still be hearing it and playing it. Awesome. Love it. So who is your biggest inspiration in radio world and in the dj world i know maybe it's two different you know two different people so that would be that's fine but i would love to know in your opinion who has influenced you inspired you in in that world i mean from from a dj perspective back in the day africa bombada dj jassy jeff grandmaster flash i mean i've seen the you know i've heard these guys since i was a kid Grew up listening to him. I mean, to see Jazzy Jeff on Facebook doing his sets, uh, his routines, it's pretty amazing. Grandmaster Flash's story. Uh, I mean, I saw the Get Down and other uh, documentaries. It's pretty amazing. And then Africa Bombada was around that same time as uh, Grandmaster Flash. So, you know, with the beats that they created and they did, um, you know, th- those are great DJs from back in those days. And, you know, they're, they're true turntablism, you know, where they, they grew up with the turntables, but they've uh, taken on and, and they've endorsed the digital era and what we do now. So being able to do both things, I mean, I think, you know, these are great influencers. And as far as radio DJ, I mean, I've worked with some of the best here in, in the business. I mean, from, you know, Kid Curry, I worked with Don Cox 
Cox on the radio. I worked with Bo Griffin, uh, DJ Laz. These are staples down here in South Florida. I mean, these are amazing DJs that I had the honors of working with. Um, you know, and some of them uh, are still on the radio, like DJ Zog, Lucy Lopez. They're still there at Power 96. I mean, and funny enough, uh, with Lucy, we were I was doing a show with Mark and Kenny on Power 96. Uh, we had uh, gotten rid of the nighttime guys, and uh, Kid Curry didn't know what to do at night. So Kenny and Mark, we had been doing those funny pranks back in 2000 with the, the beach house and those funny, you know, I, I can't let you in my beach house type of funny <laughs> stuff that we used to do in those days. So they let, they let Mark and Kenny go on the radio uh for two nights and i was one of the you know i was their producer and board op and lucy lopez and her sister called in and they, they, it was so funny they, they they just hit it off and uh, the next day uh she called again and then we had her come into the station and interview and then that's how she got her job at power 96 no way you're kidding yeah that's hilarious um yeah that's, that's uh, so funny and i love her ever since she's been there on the radio so, I mean, it's amazing to be able to work with some of these uh, talented people in, in the industry. I mean, I remember driving Don Cox, uh, Cox on the radio around town in the in the Power 96 van and taking him to do remotes and vetting hits and stuff like that. He was a character. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So let's get back to DJing. Okay. So in your opinion... What is your opinion regarding old school DJing versus, how do I say it, digital DJs, push button DJs? <laughs> what, what, what is your opinion sync, on? Sync button DJs. Press the sync button. I'm like, I can DJ. I mean, I just have to press that button, right? What's your opinion on, you know, on those two different style of DJs? I'm not saying one is better than the other. You that you've had the opportunity to experience, you know, both styles of DJing. You've, you know, you've had to be that guy that brings his um, DJ um, records, right? His vinyls yes. in the crate. Um, and now you have that luxury of, you know, yes, I know you still use your turntables, but, you know, now you're not carrying all that equipment. Like, what's what's your opinion on, on that, you know? Well, funny enough, I mean, vinyls making a comeback i mean there's a lot of uh djs that are having you know uh, right now vinyl versus uh, virus or you know even before that there were bars that they would do special nights where the dj would only play on vinyl and even uh you know it was funny enough a story the other day where vinyl outsold cds for the first time in in years um i mean many years ago i i decided i, I went from vinyl to cds and then from cds i went digital and then at one point in my career in life, I decided to get rid of all my vinyl, which sometimes I'm like, eh, should, should I have kept it? Yes. Uh, probably, but I, <laughs> I, I ended up selling part of it. And then the, the, the ones that were no good, you know, the, the, the freebies that you used to get all the time that you wouldn't play, I ended up taking it to the dumpster and the dumpster guy, um, he, no, you can't throw that. I'm keeping them. And, you know, he ended up <laughs> keeping like three boxes of vinyl. I still have about 100 records at my office that are like my, those were my favorite ones. And funny enough, about two years ago, I did a all mix vinyl at my office for Miami One Radio. Um, the, one of my buddies, Eddie, was there and he recorded it. It came up on my timeline the other day on Facebook. So, um, yeah, I still had some. But to get back to the question, I mean, I believe everybody needs to learn how to DJ correctly. 
And what I mean by that is I've, I've known a lot of DJs that DJ with computers, DJ with, you know, the buttons, the sinks and stuff like that. The minute you turn the computer off where they can't see what they're doing, they don't know how to mix two beats if, if it depended on their lives. I mean, to be able to mix two records, not be able to see anything, all you're doing is listening to one song on one ear and the other song on the other ear, and you blend it correctly and mix it and, and DJ it, that's the way to me that a true DJ knows how to mix. If I turn off your, you know, DJs out there, try that. Turn off the screen. Don't look at the Serato. Don't look at the virtual DJ. Black out, you know, get your two tracks, black out your screen. If you can mix those two songs without being able to see your screen, then you're on to the next level. If you can't do it, if it sounds like a train wreck, you need to sit there and practice. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, it's. That to me is the true artistry of this. I mean, it, it's, you know, and it took me, I used to sit in my room for hours learning and practicing and scratching and learning how to mix. And a buddy of mine, Willie Morales, he, he, he was my neighbor um, and he was one of the DJs that, uh, you know, I learned and also inspired me back in those days. And he told me, he gave me this tips. He goes, the day you get it, the day you get how to mix those two records, and you're going to hear it, you're going to know it, that is the day you'll know now you're moving on to the next level of DJing. And it, it, nobody can, you, they can teach you the technique, but only you will learn how to do it because you need to do it in your head, in your brain. You know, be able to blend those two beats and, and bring it together. That's... That is the key. I mean, and back in those days, you didn't have, oh, I'm looking at the waveform, you know, my counts, my key, the keys. I mean, I see all these DJs getting complicated with the keys, and it's an A key, and it's a B key, and I'm like, bro, turn all that crap off. What are you talking about? I mean, unfortunately, I never learned music, which I kick myself in the butt now for not learning how to read or play music, because, you know, it could have helped me, but... I'm a true DJ. I, I don't need keys. I don't need to know. All I need to know is, all right. And, and back in those days, we didn't even have BPM. I mean, you knew BPM, but I, I didn't know if this song was 128 and that one was 140. No, it was a school of hard knocks. You needed to learn that. And when you put it together, it didn't go find, go find that next record that's going to blend in. And a lot of the times, that's how we you know, organized our music. I used to organize it that way where I know this was the faster beat stuff, this was the lower speed, so when I was DJing at events, I'd be able to grab the stuff. I mean, it, it's... Look, technology is a beautiful thing, like I said earlier, with like Jazzy Jeff, uh, you know, Grandmaster Flash, all these amazing DJs that embrace technology. I embrace technology. I have my Pioneers. I, I just bought my Rain 12s. I was, I was sitting to buy them and I ended up buying my Rain 12, my Rain 72 mixer with the screen where I can see the waveform. It has all the effects, the echoes and all that. You know, I embrace it. Technology is a beautiful thing, but at the end of the day, you still got to learn your craft. You know, I remember going back when I went to radio broadcasting school, they put me in the first studio that you would go into was a, what they used to call Vietnam. It was a Vietnam studio. And what that meant, it was the old school, big radio knob studio. They had the digital room. You know, this is in 1998. They had the digital room with the computers. But you started off with the old Vietnam. And then you 
graduated from this is the way radio used to be, this is the way it is, then from there you would go to analog. I even learned how to splice, what they call tape, the reel-to-reels, how to splice and make commercials with a blade, with a razor blade, splicing you know, the words, the music into a reel-to-reel. Nobody could take that away. I learned how to do that. Granted, there was already computers, but learning the experience how radio was done, learning the experience how radio was done to analog. I mean, I hear the guys now, when they are back on Rhythm 98, they used to do bass chases with, you know, the reel-to-reels. The other day I was on a, a Zoom call, and one of the DJs had a reel-to-reel, and we're talking about, you know, splicing the tape and stuff like that. I can relate. I never did it as a, as a job, but I learned how to do it you know, I learned the art of it. And that's beautiful when you're able to embrace it all together and now be able to bring it um, to the table. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you should be teaching mis- Mixology 101 <laughs> at Radio <laughs> Broadcast School. I, I mean, I thought about it at one point, but no. Well, thank you so much for giving us that insight on radio. What I would love for you to do is tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing um, about Infinite. Tell us more about Infinity Sound Production about ISP DJs. Well, my DJ company, I mean, it, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I've been DJing, like I said, early on, um, about 25 years plus, And, um, you know, I started doing parties and stuff like that. But the company came up in, in about 1996, 97. Um, you know, we needed a, a name for the company, um, you know, because now, you, you know, we're not. Tony and Frank, the twin DJs, we wanted to sound cool out there. Funny enough, you know, everybody back in those days, you had Majestic Sounds, you had the Party Player DJs, you had Nightlife Entertainment, um, uh, Odyssey Productions, and we were like, okay, what are we going to call ourselves, me and my brother? And then one day, I remember... My brother and I. My brother and I. uh, I was uh, with my dad at a supermarket, and my dad used to sell Cuban crackers down in uh, Hialeah, and I saw um, a car uh, a car license plate. But it wasn't the license plate in the back of the car. It was back in like those Mexican license plates that people would put in the front window. It was a white plate and it said Infinity. And that stuck with me. And that's, you know, we called it Infinity Sound Production. That's how we came up with the name of our company. And through the years, you know, in 1998, we officially incorporated the company and did many parties. I mean, I had lots of DJs that came through and, and helped us. I mean, at, at times we were doing, you know, back in 2000 and so we were doing, we had almost all the, the proms and uh, homecoming dances down here in, in, in South Florida for the high schools with uh, Jason, Minimix, and myself, and Zog, and Def, and my brother. You know, we, we were running South Florida. So when I left Power 96, I needed to take my business to another level. Um, And that's kind of where we started growing our business into, you know, different avenues, not only DJing, but then getting into lighting and video screens and production. Um, And then I want to say about 10 or 11 years ago now, um, we went from DJ lighting and production into decor. So currently we're basically a full service production company where we provide, you know, DJ lighting. That that's always been people ask me um, when I opened up the, the the core side of the business. Why didn't I open up another name? To me, uh, it was another product that we were offering. I didn't want to 
have another company. I wanted to offer more products within the same umbrella that we already had that everybody in town knew us. I mean, I spent at that point 15 years building my brand and I felt like, you know, instead of opening up another business and having to promote that and get people to know it, if we just added another product and that's kind of what we did is we've added more product lines, you know, uh, not only the DJ and lighting always being the staple. That's what I love. That is the passion, you know, and then I love producing events. I love producing events where people come in and they're mesmerized from, you know, the flowers, the lighting, the effects, the, the way the whole room and concept comes together, um, you know, and putting people's vision together to make it a memorable night. Um, so that's kind of where we took our business. Um, and it's been an amazing journey. I mean, to be able to do this for over 25 years plus here in South Florida and continue to do it. Um, I, I mean, it's amazing. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for, um, you know, sharing your story with us, really. And I got to say, you are probably one of the most humble people. He's he's very humble, let me tell you. I have to say, his company, and not because he's my husband or because, you know, I'm in this industry, and I have to say, his company is one of the best out there. Definitely is. Um, always busy, great service you know, great group of, of DJs, um, you know, and they always put the customers first, anything to make them happy. So, you know, you guys will be in great hands. Definitely. Well, thank you very much, You're Carmen. You're so welcome. Uh, and it's been a pleasure. You know, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, sixth edition, uh, the DJ and the Wedding Planner podcast. We're going to kind of uh, open the podcast up a little bit from now on. Uh, not only talking about weddings and events and ourselves, you know, uh, this one was a little bit more um, documentary style. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we want we want to have different people on and, and, and be able to, ex, you know, share our experiences, not only in the industry, but with life and what we all go through. Awesome. I like that. All right. Thank you guys very much. And we'll catch you next week on the seventh episode of the DJ and Wedding Planner podcast.